What is up, everybody? We are back with another episode. We are season four. Man, hope you guys have been enjoying the last couple of episodes. Got some great feedback. Uh, man, this is fun. I really enjoyed doing these podcast episodes for you guys and uh, really even connecting with the different guests that come on and tackling different subject matters. It's a good time. It's a good time. Um, I'm really excited about today's episode. <laughs> I say that every episode, but really am. Uh, we've got a legend on the show. Uh, we've got somebody that I've uh, really benefited from and learned from, um, somebody that I've been challenged by just by, from afar uh, through his music, uh, his interviews, um, podcast stuff he's put out. Uh, some of you may know him, some of you may not. He's a bright individual. Uh, he's like, man, he's woke before woke was a thing. And uh, I'm excited for the wisdom he's going to be sharing with us today. Uh, He's somebody that um, is somebody that thinks outside the box. He's really good at uh, just challenging things and lovingly assisting uh, a different alternative. Uh, He's really good at articulating his thoughts. And uh, I'm I'm just I'm just excited for what he has for us today. And more than anything, even the subject matter that we're going to be talking about today, I think is very needed and very important uh, for our day and age. And I think it's something we can really learn from. Uh, We'll be talking about calling. And so uh, I'm excited to get into it. So without a doubt, uh, this will be probably one of my favorite episodes just because it's something I wrestle with a lot. uh, Being a young adult, uh, working with a lot of young adults, the huge question is, what am I called to? What does God have for me? What does God want me to be doing? Um, And so all these questions definitely uh, play a huge role in the ministry that I'm a part of and uh, maybe even for some of you who are listening. And so I'm excited to hear some of the wisdom that he'll uh, uh, share with us today. And so, yeah, let's get into it. We got none other than Show Baraka with us. All right, Show, how you doing? Thanks for getting on the podcast with me here. Uh, it's a real honor and treat to have you here. How are you doing today? Doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, it's a real pleasure. I've really, um, I've really learned a lot from you. I've been challenged by your music, um, some of the podcast stuff you've put out. Um, man, it's 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 so dope having somebody like you in the kingdom. So thank you for all your contributions and your thought and your wrestle. Uh, it's really affecting people like me. So I really appreciate you. Oh man, well, thank you for those flattering and encouraging work. Um, I, I just try to be a, a vessel for the Lord. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, well, let's get into it. So um, I think it was a week or two ago, uh, maybe a little longer than that, but you put out a post um, about calling and I that immediately grabbed my attention. And I was uh, I was very interested in hearing more on what your thoughts were on that. And so just for the listeners, those that maybe didn't see the post, uh, can you kind of go into what you said and maybe even why? Uh, you brought up um, that particular uh, topic and, and why you went into it the way you did? Yeah, so the initial post stemmed from a an interview or a panel discussion I was on where I was asked about how, in so many words, and I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but I was asked, how do we remove the elite um kind of like qualities and connotations away from art for people to be able to thrive in, in society. 
Mm. And so my response was, I don't, I don't think it's just an art and creative problem. I think it's a, a vocation calling, a, a vocation and calling problem within the Christian nomenclature. Like the way we talk about calling and, you know, and some people will debate whether calling and vocation can be synonymous. I, I like to see them as the same thing. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> my whole quarrel is that a lot of the discussion that happens around vocation and calling can oftentimes be elitist in that the way we theologically frame the question is, you know, what has God gifted you to do and what do you desire to do? Like when, you're, when your mm. desires meets God's kind of like plans, then therefore that's what you should be doing in life. And, you know, other people have different variations of how they communicate that. Yeah. And my pushback was, well, very seldom in the scriptures do you see people having the liberty or the luxury of doing the things that they desire to do. Oftentimes it's the mm. inverse. God says, I have a need that needs to be addressed, and he picks someone who's faithful. It doesn't matter what kind of skills they have. Mm. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how talented they are. He just sees the condition of this individual's heart, and yeah. he knows that they're upright and faithful. And so he says, "This individual is going to be great to serve service this particular need." And yeah. oftentimes, what happens is that individual is like, "Well, I'm not qualified to do this." And they try to figure out how to remove themselves from the equation. And God is like, no, that's, that's not negotiable. And I think the way that we need to begin to start talking about vocation is not necessarily around what people are necessarily desiring or even gifted in doing, but where is their need and how can you service that need? Yeah. So that that's so good. I, so I work with a lot of young adults um, here in Minnesota. And something I often hear is you know they get into a job that they don't like and the the immediate response or thought process is i don't think god has called me to this uh because i don't enjoy it <laughs> and so this is kind of you know this is just seasonal you know i'm waiting for the the next big thing i'm waiting for god to open a different door so i can live out something i i truly enjoy um do you think yeah, let me let me ask you, what do you think about that? Because I think this is something I hear a lot more now nowadays. Is that a healthy way to think about calling and vocation? Um, or do you think that's harmful? I think, it, I mean, I, I, well, I would definitely say I think it's harmful. However, I think there's some components within that. Those statements you said that I, I think are normal, and we have to begin to realize that we're human. So we're not we're not going to like everything, and it's okay to say that you're not enjoying it. Yeah, it's even okay to say that this may be seasonal. Mm-hmm. However, I don't think you get to determine how long that season is. Yeah, or um, even in your discontentment, or even in your your lack of joy, there's a difference between having contentment and and having fake joy. Mm. Um, I think the the scriptures talk about counting things pure joy because it produces in us certain characteristics that line us up to be more Christ-like. Yeah. But also, when we see in Philippians, we, there's a there's a piece of scripture where Paul's talking about he can do all things through Christ. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, we think about that as like we can just accomplish goals if we just set our mind to it <laughs> as, as Christians. Yeah, and that's not necessarily the context. The context is yeah. Paul is saying like I, 
I've had a lot. I know what it's like to have a lot of resources. I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to be in prison. I know what it's like to be free. No matter the, the conditions that I'm in, I know the secret of contentment. Yeah. And the secret of con- and the secret of contentment is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. So for the individuals who are in these workplaces, yeah, who are not enjoying it, what I would say is you need to figure out how to reconcile the secret of contentment within the place and position mm. you're in right now. Mm. Yeah. And um, it's okay, and it's perfectly okay to desire something different. I think the problem is, is when you become when you begin to look at your current condition as something that's beneath you yeah. and something that God has not has not ordained for you in, in this moment of life, because then you 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 begin to devalue it and you strip value from that particular position. Yeah, no, that's so good. Let me let me take a step back. How would you define calling um, so that wherever God has us? we're not looking at it as something that's beneath us. Like, how do we really uh, see the dignity of where God has placed us? I think, um, I'm a butcher. Well, I'm not going to even try to give you the the actual, like, epitomology, but I think Mm. when when I've studied calling and um, the idea of, like, kind of like vocation within Scripture, yeah. It's, 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 it's being appointed to something. It's like God has appointed or someone is appointing you to a position. Um, and so if we're looking at it from a, from a purely from what God is doing, yeah. anytime God's appoint somebody to something, that means that's the most dignifying position that you mm-hmm. can be in. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we gotta, I think we have to begin to start seeing as like, how has God appointed me to something? Like, how has I, how, how, how have I been placed or what positions have I been given? And while I'm there, how do I begin to honor God? I think it's extremely encouraging to see Joseph mm. maneuver through his life. Joseph knew, right, that he had a vision that was given from God. So yeah. he dreamed that one day I'll have this high significant aristocratic position. Yeah. However, there were a series of callings, if you will. Yeah. There was a series of vocations and, and predicaments that he was in. However, he never, mm. I, I would like to think, uh, from my own vantage point, is that he never saw those positions as something that was necessarily beneath him in the current situation. He was like, well, I'm going to serve Potiphar's house yeah. as thoroughly as I can. I'm going to uh, while I'm in this prison, if you will, I'll I'll serve and help people as best as I can. And now that I'm at the position that I've been told that I would receive, I am going to serve and love God as best as I can. Yeah. Um, the other thing about calling, I think, is that you're never called. And I think this is this is paramount in scripture. You're never called for your own benefit. You're always mm. called to something. For the, for the flourishing and the benefit of, of other folks. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to be, you can't benefit from it, but God calls people usually because of a service for other folks. And talk about Moses, talk about Abraham. Yeah. There's not a call in Scripture, there's not an appointment in Scripture where it was like, oh, don't worry, you'll be the only one that's blessed by this calling. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's no, I put you here, I put you here so that you will bless a nation, or I put you here that you will bless a people or a community yeah. or 
these outcasts or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And even all time, you will bless the pagan society in the case of Daniel and the uh, Hebrew boys. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, but there's always a plan. There's always a, a, there's always a strategy for which God is doing this. And sometimes we're not privy to that strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you think that maybe, um, the reason why we're discontent in the season we are is we're looking for this the season or the vocation or what what have you to serve us man this is not making me as much money i would like this is not giving me as much fulfillment i would like or maybe i would like to impact more people and i don't like the sphere of influence that god has given me i believe or i deserve i should influence more like do you think a lot of the reason why we're frustrated in the seasons or the vocation that we're in currently is due to the fact that we're thinking about serving ourselves and not necessarily serving um, whoever god wants us to serve uh, absolutely. I think those narratives infiltrate our being. And not only do I think it's unhealthy just from a like a psychology, but oftentimes it's even worse because we'll put the out theological frameworks or mm. the out theological terms on things. Yeah. And then we make it seem like, oh, well now it's even more the 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 will of God for me to be doing these things because we put like Christian language on it. And yeah. so impact, everybody wants to have impact, right? Or yeah. everybody wants to, to impact the world or change the world. However, like everybody's not going to be able to do it in the way that we want to do it. And so when we're feeling like, well, this is not impacting the world or this is not winning souls, if this is not, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Then we, we, we've created ourselves an out by saying like, well, the Lord has called me to something different because this is not impacting people in the way that, you know, et cetera. Yeah. While the whole time there are people who are probably within your sphere of influence, just three or four or five people who are deeply impacted just mm. by your presence. Yeah. The other thing is that I think we got to understand is that, Work in itself is just worship and glory to God. So yeah. no matter what you do on what scale or level, I think we have to start to, like, we have to change our metrics on what it looks like to even be beneficial to the kingdom of God. It, there are so many examples. There was a gentleman I remember a long time ago, and I can't remember his name, but he was a English gentleman who preached a sermon about Nehemiah and the, the different responsibilities that families had in building up the city. Yeah. And there was one family that was responsible for like the dung gate. Like, mm. <laughs> and it was probably one of the most demoralizing yeah. of all of the responsibilities, but that responsibility is quite important Yeah. for the flourishing of society. So it's very similar like to sanitation, right? We think yeah. about sanitation, the individuals, nobody praises folks for being sanitation workers. Like we don't, when, you're, when, you're, when your trash is picked up every every week, you don't go outside and throw out like I throw a parade for them. Yeah. You just, you're like, hey, that's your job. Wow. You're supposed to do this. However, yeah. realize what would happen if they didn't do their job. Mm, mm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so this is why roles in the kingdom, like, and, well, not just in the kingdom, but in society in general, when we work, Everybody plays a significant part in the flourishing of our communities and our cities and our nations. And yeah. if we don't begin to see that every person is valuable, then we begin to uh, create an economy that is, uh, and I mean like an uh, uh, ecosystem, but we begin to create an ecosystem that is in balance. Yeah, that's so good. 
Yeah, so let me, man, there's so many questions um, I'm thinking about just in light of what you just shared. Um, but the one that I really want to ask is, um, you know, the, the people I'm around, I'm around a lot of young people um, in their mid-20s, late-20s, early-30s. And um, a lot of the times, um, we something I've picked up on is we attach our significance with what we do. And um, I, I'm wondering, is that maybe why... Uh, we think if it's not this glamorous job, I mean, nobody wants to get into sanitation, right? Nobody wants to pick up trash um, <laughs> for a living, right? Like somebody, you know, you want you want followers on social media. You want you want to travel the world and speak and right. Or if you want to be an artist, you want to have a bigger platform, right? Um, what do you like? What? Wh- how do we get to a place as believers where we say, you know what? Um, I think that God has called me to the flourishing of of human humankind, mankind, and and the way that's gonna look like in my context might not be glamorous, or it might not get applauses, or there might you know there may be no awards for that, you know. Um, but I'm gonna do it to serve God and to ultimately serve the calling that He has on my life like how do we get to a place where we um detach our significance with what we do and realize that we're significant because we belong to god and to freely give ourselves over to what god has placed us in in the season we're in it's kind of hard to do those things because what you what you're suggesting i think is, is very important and i think it's the basis of christian identity it's not like christian identity is not about how you can serve not about what you do um, and how you necessarily um, your output, your performance, it's about who you are and basically whose you are. Yeah. Yeah. I am a Christian because the Lord saved me and I identify in Christ and I believe in his sacrifice. I'm not a Christian because I go to church or I'm not a Christian because Mm -hmm. I do Christian music or I'm not a Christian because I feed the poor. Like mm-hmm. these are outworkings of things I do. You are a human because you are you need all the specificities of a human being. You're not a human just because you eat you eat or you sleep because people do those things, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, animals yeah. do those things. <laughs> yeah, insects, you know. So just I mean, to get back on track, I think it's also very hard to have that type of mindset in a society where we're we're driven by markets, we're driven mm-hmm. by capitalism, we're mm-hmm. driven by gain. And, and wealth. And so significance is oftentimes measured by the kind of production yeah. that you put out or the, what you, you know, consume. And so somebody who's, it's like, for instance, to be rich is like nobody, nobody has a problem with putting the label rich on a person. Like if you were, if somebody was saying like, hey, Rich Ebenezer, like, you know what I'm saying? You yeah. would be like, oh, that's, yeah. that's you know, that's, flattering. Yeah. But if they were to call you poor Ebenezer, you would be like, nah, bro, like, <laughs> don't call me poor Ebenezer, just call me Ebenezer. Yeah. If you were poor, right? <laughs> right, right. And so these are, is because there's certain stigmas that come with resources. Mm. And to me, the way that I see humanity is that until we get to a point where we can see the poor, the rich, and all these other different labels that we put on people, 
as just being dignified human beings. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if we can ever get to a place where mm. people are going to be satisfied with just wow. being sanitation workers versus being, because it's just, it's just the way we are. We're, we're, when you, when you come out the womb, you, you, the things that are taught to you, you know, yeah. buy a home, go to college, do this, do that, do this. It's not like be a great person. It's not right. serve people. It's not love. It's, accomplish things right and if people accomplish things without being loving they'll still be rewarded in life Mm. you know and we reward a lot of people in this world without them being great people yeah um but in the inverse vice versa we don't we don't celebrate a whole lot of people who don't accomplish a lot in life but are great people Right, mm, we'll yeah. celebrate them in the privacy of our own like conversations at home. Like, man, yeah, my grandmother was a great person. She didn't have <laughs> she didn't have much, but she she loved and blah 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 blah. Yeah, but we're not about to make like a statue of my grandma in downtown Atlanta. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> no, that that's so good. That's so good. Um, I I think that you, you touched on something very important: seeing the dignity of everybody um i think of elijah in the bible um and i'm so encouraged by him because he can go from serving the masses to serving one widow and not feel like he's he's lost a ministry opportunity or his he's not no longer being talked about or he doesn't have an opportunity to be seen but he's just faithful to what god has placed in front of him and he's easily able to maneuver from the masses to just one person you know um let me yeah let me let me let me switch gears here a little bit because i did want to ask you about this um how do you um how do you grow in being content without being complacent um because i think that it's it's hard sometimes to reconcile both of these things um but what what does it look like to say okay lord Wherever you've placed me, um, I'm going to serve you wholeheartedly. Um, I'm going to love on you. I'm going to love on the people that you've placed in front of me. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think that there's more or maybe if there isn't more, I don't even know what that looks like. How do you not? Yeah, I just, how would you work that out? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know if I have the formula, which yeah. I don't know if there is. A, I do think there's character development, I think prayer, there's two things I, I can say. I think prayer is utterly important in a sense that prayer doesn't just create this opportunity for you to communicate with God and like whine and complain, which whining and complaining to God is good. Like we see that in a lot of places in the scriptures, like, Lord, this is not cool. Like, help your boy out, right? And they're perfectly within the right, I think, within the scripture and God honors some of their whining and complaining. It's just like, yo, what's up? Yeah. It's helpful for that, but it's also helpful because the more you petition before the Lord about something, the more you begin to, it's like therapeutic, mm. and you begin to become, you become like, okay, I understand I'm in this situation, I'm t- it's, like, it's like counseling, you're talking about it, and you're able to deal with the situation even more because you're mm. processing through it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, ch- prayer not only is a petition to change your like circumstance it's also like a, a petition to change your heart mm. and to change your mind about something yeah the other thing i would say is gk chesterton has this quote that i love he talked about how 
He says, contentment isn't being reserved to the attic. And he's talking about like if you live in a house, like the top of an attic in a house. Yeah. He's saying contentment isn't being reserved to the attic. It's seeing all that the attic offers while desiring more. Wow. Um, and yeah. I think that's somewhat of what we have to learn how to do is like, how do we learn to appreciate everything that I have about this particular situation while mm. I still desire more, but my desire is not going to supersede my current predicament because I see the beauty in what I have and mm -hmm. what I have. And until I know it's clear that I should leave this situation, then, um, and the Lord creates opportunities that are very clear for me to leave these situations. Oftentimes, and I think you need to make sure you leave a situation better than you found it. Yeah, right. You good. need to try to leave a situation. You try, you, you got to try to leave a situation amicably mm. where people are, pleased with your service and who you are and what you've done yeah and uh and you, you you make sure that as you're leaving for a situation that that next situation is excited about your your presence and et cetera, et cetera. so i think oftentimes what we do is you just like we burn bridges and we're like i'm out <laughs> yeah yeah and so That's real. you know it's we don't we don't we don't create space so then we're we're just we're just leaving a wake of disaster Mm. Mm. that's real let me let me ask you this um and if it's too personal it's too personal but how have you kind of carried this out in your own uh life and um what does this look like for you in maybe the season you're in or the seasons you've been a part of um and uh how has this kind of shaped you um to be who you are today what is what, what exactly is saying? What's the it? Um, whether it's so, like idea of calling. Yeah, the idea of calling. You know, because I've seen you do different. You know, you're doing music one season, and then a different season. You know, you're you're doing um, something else, or you know, like what what does it look like for you to kind of go from one uh, sphere of influence to another and pursue God and all of that. Well, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say this. There are a lot of things that I've done that failed miserably. There are things that I've done that I think that were selfish. There are things that I've done where I think I was definitely in the you know, will of God, if you will, if that makes any sense. But mm -hmm. I do also think we can mystify what the will of God is sometimes, too. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, I think there are many things that we can do, um, but I also feel like there are many things that we can do that are, are highly selfish and, mm -hmm. and inwardly motivated. Yeah. Um, but I also think that there are many things that you can do that um, could be a blessing for the for community because you see a need there, right? Yeah. And so for me, um, I'm ch basically the you know what I've tried to do is say, hey, here's a need that I see. Mm -hmm. How can I service this need? Yeah. And I do it, and then sometimes I'm rewarded for it in a way that I that I appreciate. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't return. <laughs> the type of value or yeah. benefit that I would have hoped for. Yeah. And I think the one thing that I've had to learn is, well, if you're moving in faith, you have to just trust that the Lord will provide. Yeah. And oftentimes what we don't do is we say, well, if, if this is the Lord's will, he's going to, he's going to like supply 
and he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna provide and he's gonna provide exponentially. Mm. And mm. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Wow. I don't think I don't think the scriptures call us to be broke. I don't think the scriptures call us to be poor. However, I think I don't think we huh. we have to do, somehow figure out how to divorce this idea that spiritual growth is is intrinsically tied to like upward mobility. Wow. And um, hmm. I think that can be somewhat problematic for our theology. And so I've just tried to say, like, wh- what is something that, what are the things that I feel like I can do? How does this, do I think this is a benefit to the kingdom and other people? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and, and am, I, am I avoiding, am, am, I, am I running away or running away from an obvious need that I need that I feel like the Lord has put in front of me? Yeah. And... Um, and I'd be like, all right, well, if I've answered all those questions in a way that I think is, you know, in the, in, uh, pleasing to, 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 the, to God in the way that he's wired me and he's shaped me. And I'm like, well, uh, I guess I need to do this, you know? Yeah. And if there's times where there's an obvious need for me and I'm like, man, I'm not excited about this, but I'm like, I got to do it because I just feel mm. like this is what it is. You know, this is what it is. You yeah. know, sometimes I'm. I'm a, I'll give you one example. Um, I'm not a politician. I'm not a. I'm not somebody who is proficient in policy. I don't sit around and read a lot of bills and <laughs> amendments. But you know, I'm, I guess you can say I'm a little above average. Yeah. However, I just there was a time in 2005. Well, not 2015, 2016, where I was deeply frustrated with how Christians. Um, use their vote or how we looked mm. at politics and how we were being prostituted by different individuals and parties. Yeah. And I just wanted to figure, I just like, man, I just, I just don't know what to do. And I met, a, I met a lawyer. His name is Justin Gibbony. Yeah, and we had lunch one day and we got, and we got to talking and we realized that there was a need in front of us. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not necessarily equipped to be the face of this because I just know that there are people who are way more qualified to talk about these things than I am. Mm. But the Lord presented so many opportunities for me to be there and to speak and to do things and to write an article that did extremely well and brought a lot of attention to how Christians engage the political space. And long story short, that organization called the Hand Campaign was Mm -hmm. birthed out of all of this. Um, because I just felt like there was a need and other people around me kept communicating the need. And yeah. I was like, well, instead of us just talking about it, like, how do, well, let's do something. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so now he's the president, Justin is the president of the organization. It's still going strong. And yeah. I would say that's an example of me realizing, like, I may not be the most gifted, but here's a need that needs to be addressed. And Lord, I'm, I'll be used as, as much as I, as much as I can. Yeah, no, that's so beautiful. I love the end campaign. We've also had Justin on shaping the on this podcast as well. So, thank you for yeah. That's that's an awesome um, yeah. That's awesome. I love. There's so much to be said there. How you um, saw the need and you weren't um, intimidated uh, by maybe um, what you didn't have, but you trusted that God. Uh, would bless it and God would use it and you did all that you could do and you just gave the rest to God and you also empowered or partnered with people that could do the work. Um, I love that because I think a lot of... I will will say... I'll go ahead. Finish with your hand. No, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. 
I would say I, I will correct you. I, de- I definitely felt intimidated. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was, it was like I wasn't like walking around here extremely confident. Like, mm, yeah, I got this. Like there were wow. times when I was like, man, we're gonna get ostracized from these people. We're gonna get shunned from these folks. Mm. I'm gonna get these types of questions. I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. It's like I remember I did an NPR. I did an NPR interview, and uh, there was one question that was asked that I just. I mean, I'm. It was, it was, I gave a terrible answer, but wow. God willing, like, I mean, I got willing, but by God's grace, they didn't, they cut that part of the, hmm. they cut that part of the interview out. Right. right. And I was just like, well, praise God that, that it, it see the light of day. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. even in, like, even being on, even being on that, uh, on that interview, like doing that interview that I knew was national, I was like, man, like I am going to get a lot of love and I'm also mm. going to get a lot of hate because of this interview. Yeah. And this is, like, it's nervous, it's nerve-wracking. Mm. Um, same thing when I interviewed Evan McMullen for, mm. uh, when he was running as a third-party candidate for the 2016 election. I never received so much, like, disdain mail from people in wow. tweets yeah. because of my sitting down with him. Yeah. Um, even though I said, like, this is not necessarily my endorsement, this is just, he wanted to sit down with me and yeah. do an interview, and I was like, all right, yeah. I'll do it. So yeah. anyway... No, that's good. I actually really appreciate that about you. You've always, you know, even with your, I remember when Talented Tenth came out, uh, that, that, that album changed my life, but that was daring. And I was like, man, I'm so glad that he's not making music for youth group, <laughs> youth groups. And he's really talking about <laughs> something that matters to him and something that needs to be addressed, even if it looked different or you shook things up a little bit. Uh, right, right. But that's awesome. Thank you. I could talk to you all day, but I just got one more question for you. And I have to, because you're an artist, I just have to get your intake on this. Uh, what do you think of Kanye West's Jesus is King album? <laughs> I just got to ask you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, what, what, like, what in particular what do you mean? Do I think about like artistically or like, do I, like just... The whole nine, like artistically... A, a cultural phenomenon? Yes, and maybe even where he's at in his journey, and how he's sharing his journey, and even what, yeah, all of that. Well, the good thing is, is I did a video of this, and you can watch it on my YouTube and my Instagram. So, uh, yeah, six minutes worth of my commentary. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I'll be very brief. Um, because there's a, you know, I, even though that six minutes is not long enough to to give an exposition about something, it's. You know, I feel like I do a decent enough job giving my thoughts. I'll say this. Praise God for what is happening in his life. Yeah. I think there are many people who are skeptic about his transformation. But, you know, the th- this is the thing. Like, if someone was watching our lives when we mm-hmm. came to the loving knowledge of Christ, they would probably feel the same way. Like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Especially someone who... who was engaged in the culture in the way that Kanye was engaged right. in. Like he is a phenomenon no matter what he does, right? Yeah. So people can see this as some sort of like continued instability in his life. But my thing is like, man, what better place to land for someone who's always been struggling and wrestling mm. with identity or significance or mental health than in the arms of a loving savior who gives, yeah. you know, yeah. clarity on who you are as an individual, who mm. gives peace, who gives understanding. I guess my ultimate challenge is 
not only just to Kanye, but to us as people who are either supporting him, question whatever, to Kanye is continue to grow and continue to love Jesus, continue to to, ch- to chase after him, to learn, um, and to feel like the only person you have to impress is is, is you know is God. Yeah. To us, I would say we we have to be very careful about making him into an idol, mm. right? And because uh, I think what happens is, is now that we have our like our trinket to say, hey, look, <laughs> Christianity is cool, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to be very careful, like not to make him into an idol. Um, yeah. Because we've seen that go wrong in the scriptures and even in mm. uh, present day. So, yeah, uh, that would be my short answer. Yeah. But I'm excited. I love it. I think the album is. I think the album is cool. I don't think it's a great album, but I do think it's great for what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's a great testimonial album that just talks about. He's just basically like, uh, you know, I I was a, I was a wretch and now the yeah. Lord saved me and he the music. Is, I think it's really good. Mm. The rapping is not good, but you know <laughs> Kanye hasn't really rapped in a long time. Like his his lyrical ability has kind of waned. It's been waning for a while now. Yeah. Um. But I've listened to the album many, 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 many times, and I enjoy Same. I enjoy it a lot. But that's because I I've come to the album like. Well, actually, I lie. I, I came into the album having a different expectation, and I didn't like it at first. Yeah. But then, once I kind of recalibrated and came back to it, I was like, "Yo, this mm. album is, is really, really, really good." So, yeah. and I love everything he's doing about. Not well, I can't say I love everything because I really don't know everything he's doing. But <laughs> yeah, from what I do know about what he's doing with the whole Sunday service thing, mm-hmm. I'm even encouraged by that. Like that's just powerful. It's great. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so he's always been an innovator. He's always, so also, <laughs> I'll have to say, uh, you know, preface, Kanye has been a top five artist of mine since he's been out. So yeah, I, you know, I love same. Kanye. Yeah. I'm, an, I'm a Kanye apologist, except when it comes to like <laughs> Donald Trump stuff. <laughs> yeah, I love However, Yeah, yeah. I, I've always seen him as an innovator. So even in his business dealings, I think it's great. I'm, I'm interested to see how his faith will begin to shape his fashion, mm. um, how his, you know, his his, his development ventures. Mm. Not saying that he needs to start making shoes with crosses on them, but <laughs> yeah. I'm interested to see, like, how does that translate to the benefit of, you know, uh, of other people in our society. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Did you see his interview with Zane Lowe? You see him wrestling with that a little bit, like how to be innovative right, and Christian yeah. at the same time. Yeah. You, it looks, it looks, and I don't think it should be, I don't think it should be that difficult. I, and it's funny, like, I, I don't, it's just, it's, it's not that hard. I think what we've done is we've allowed cultural, like cultural mandates, right? Mm. Not biblical, man. We've allowed cultural mandates mm. to spice in us and our creativity. And mm. that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually praying that he gets the right people around him that will help him see right. that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, man, Shell, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And thank you for your insight. Uh, you gave me some things to chew on, and I'm sure you've gave you've given our listeners something to really work to, through as well. So thank you for just taking time and, and blessing, shaping the culture. Hey, man, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Well, until next time, family, peace and love.